Good morning. It's so good to be with you all at the Hub this morning. Thank you, Andy, for inviting me along. It's really lovely to be with you. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Brian Heasley. I've been to Basingstoke a few times, not for a few years now, but uh, I've loved being with you guys. And it's really lovely to be part of your Sunday service. As you may or may not know, I'm the uh, International Prayer Director for 24-7 Prayer, which means I travel the world uh, helping 24-7 Prayer establish movements of prayer, mission and justice in lots of different settings and formats. Obviously, right now, my job has completely changed. So I've been basically locked in my loft for six months, just like everybody else. And uh, I'm not traveling as much. Well, not traveling at all, really. And so here we are in a rather uh, challenging, difficult, interesting time. I think it was Charles Dickens in his book, uh, A Tale of Two Cities, who said these are these were the best of times and these were the worst of times. And it's almost like for me, that's how it feels. These are the best of times and these are the worst of times. We are, there is a virus rampaging around the globe. People are losing their lives. You know, economies are being affected. Stuff's happening on a larger scale than we could ever have asked for or imagined. That isn't all positive. And alongside that, we see, uh, we hear words like the new normal and unprecedented. If I hear that one more time, I don't know what I'm going to do. But there is a sense of uh, God is doing something. There is a new, a new thing happening, uh, something new going on in this world. Just from 24-7 prayers point of view, just to encourage you, we uh, released a little app called Letio. 365, which is to help people in their daily devotions and just to, to help people ease into the day. That went from, say, 30,000 downloads to 100,000 downloads. Uh, we are in a room app has seen a 25% increase. The prayer spaces in schools, we, we dropped that because obviously schools shut. We didn't drop it. We stopped doing it. And we, tur we turned something into a thing called prayer prayer spaces at home and we saw 27,000 people you know adapt some sort of prayer stuff for use at the home our actual website normally gets about 100,000 views per page uh, in 10 weeks at the beginning of this we had 120,000 views on our coronavirus page we've seen stuff downloaded uh, um, immense growth the prayer course that we're doing so it would seem like there is an increase and a hunger for prayer during this time that people somehow in the midst of all of this are looking towards God, towards the divine one, calling out to him. So, so when I say the best of times, I think there is a hunger awakening. I was listening to something from the London School of Economics that was talking about how we are moving towards living in a post-secular age. We used to live in a post-Christian, but now we're post-secular. People are starting once again to search for spiritual meaning and look into spiritual aspects of life. There's a recent survey from the University of Copenhagen talking about how the, the Google downloads and the Google hits for people searching prayer is through the roof in every nation, in every demographic. People are looking for something more than we have right now. So these are the best of times and the worst of times. And so it's into that that we, the church, find ourselves. And I guess I wanted to be specific for you guys this morning. I didn't want to just kind of roll some stuff out, but I have got some stuff that's been that I feel is for the church. So I've been sharing with a number of churches. I was talking to a friend called uh, Mark Sayer, who's based in Melbourne in Australia. 
And he said one of the things that would be so helpful would be that the church would come back stronger. That after this pandemic has ended and life goes back to whatever normal will look like, that we would be the people who came back stronger. Uh, I had another friend who said, wouldn't it be good if we, at the end of this, were not, when our children and our grandchildren came to us and said, what did you do during the great pandemic? We would say, oh, you know, I watched some really good box sets. You know, I, I want more than that. I want to I want to come back stronger. I want to be someone who is uh, more connected to the father, more in tune with the spirit, more aware of the life and love of Jesus. And so somehow I want to come back stronger. And this time we want to use to come back stronger. And I've just been thinking a lot recently about like uh, about Mark, the book of Mark is an easy book to read. If you ever get the chance, well, you probably have got the chance, but loads of time. Uh, Mark was meant to be read communally. It's meant to be read in about two and a half hours. It was the first gospel that was written. Luke and Matthew draw very heavily on Mark as their source. Mark was initially sent to the church in Rome. So you kind of got this Jewish Christian outpost in Rome that had somehow started the church without any gospels. Along comes Mark. Mark is to be read out in two and a half hours. The beginning of Mark saying, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ instantly countercultural because in the Roman Empire the gospel that was something that was shared never an emperor had a new son so right there right then they get this beautiful dynamic account of the life of Jesus that would probably have run like fire wildfire throughout their community encouraging and strengthening them in the face of ongoing persecution they went on to be you know to face all the stuff of Nero and stuff like that so Mark gets landed right into the midst of that kind of setting into a church, the church established in Rome, the the gospel of Mark comes. And uh, I mean, we're, we're so lucky, aren't we? We have all these books of the Bible. We've got them and we can go to them and we can read them. But right then that was it. They had the Jewish scripture and then all of a sudden here comes Mark. So let me, uh, let's look at a story in Mark to see if we can draw some encouragement from this beautiful gospel for these times and this hour. Mark 4, verse 35 to 41 says this. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, peace, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Beautiful passage there. Mark 4, verse 35 to 41. We have this beautiful story uh, that begins at the beginning of Mark 4. Jesus is... Uh, teaching by the lake so it's kind of like he's been teaching all day he's been teaching wonderful inspirational stuff 
all day long. You know, the, the parable of the sower and stuff like that. It's great. Read Mark 4 and you'll hear. It's like a masterclass in teaching. And so the, the, you've got the disciples. He's been on the boat. So Jesus, so he's kind of slightly away from the crowd. He's on the boat. Says he was sitting on the boat. I kind of like to think that your disciples were there all day keeping the boat still. And But they did have things called anchors. So he's on the boat with the disciples. And I don't know about you, but after a long day, busy day in the hot sun on a boat, I don't know when you go to the seaside, sometimes I go to the seaside, I feel incredibly sleepy on the way home. Or when you've worked really hard, you feel really tired. And so it says he was tired, you know, and, and he said, because I guess they'd been very, very busy. And I guess the disciples were tired because there had a bit of crowd management going on. And, and Jesus then says, come on, let's go to the other side. <laughs> and and the problem is is that even the other side the disciples are thinking what what do you mean the other side you mean uh the garrisons the the place where the romans are and the place where they breed pigs and the place where they worship other gods and the you know and it's just not a really good spot to be going but you've been teaching all day jesus and you're asking us to go to the other side to take you to a place where you're not particularly welcome to take you out into somewhere else and jesus yeah this will go into the other side i mean this was this was confirmed that it was a pretty crazy place because when in mark chapter 5 verse 1 the first thing they met by is a madman you know comes running at them so you can imagine that this is this is a busy day tired disciples and jesus is saying let's go to the other side let's go out to a place that we don't want to go and even the idea about this whole thing about the the disciples were fishermen so they kind of but it wasn't a big thing in jerusalem in the jewish faith in that whole area fishermen it wasn't a massive thing and so what they called the lake galilee they called it the abyss the great abyss the great darkness so jesus you gotta you gotta hear this your church in rome you're under persecution you get all this great teaching and then you hear this beautiful story about let us go to the other side let us go to rome let us go to the darkness. Let us go to the places where the gospel is not yet proclaimed. Let us go to the places where we are under pressure, where we're persecuted, where we're not welcome. Let's go to the other side. And the disciples think, okay, and they get in the boat. And I'm pretty sure there's one or two of them thought, I'd really much rather just stay here, have a barbecue on the beach and recover. But they get in the boat and they go. They sail, they leave for the other side. And, uh, you know, I've, there's a few just a few little things I think we can learn from this story is that as they get out into the middle of the the lake into the great abyss on their journey to the other side a storm brews and blows up it's renowned that the wind comes down off the hills in that area and so there's a storm blowing and it's a, a crazy kind of storm and you know it's I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel that when God asks us to do something, storms come. And we're called to live by faith, but storms come. We're called to be Christians and storms come. And so, you know, actually, the, the first thing I want to I want to say about this is that we've got to trust that his word is true. We've got to trust that his word is true. See, Jesus said in verse 35, let us go over to the other side. If he said they were going to go to the other side, they were going to go to the other side. Some commentators would say that because that Jesus got angry uh, uh, because they'd forgot that he was saying, let us go over to the other side. Actually, I heard John Wimber preach this very same uh, line in about 92, a long time ago, saying that the disciples had forgotten that Jesus had said, we're going to the other side. And if he said, we're going to the other side, we're going to get to the other side. 
And I was just thinking about this today. What words has God spoken over your life that you've forgotten? What Bible verses, what preaches, what prophetic words, what sermons has God spoken to you that you have somehow just forgotten of what that can never happen or just put that to one side? Remember, if he said it, it's going to happen. I, I feel this morning that it'd be really important to pick up some of the things that you've put down in the midst of this storm. You thought, ah, oh, it's never going to happen. He's never going to come to Jesus, even though someone told me he would. She's never going to see this even though someone told me she would i feel fear even though god said that i wouldn't need to feel fear anymore and we've put down some of the words and i just want to encourage us to pick it up again that his word is true that what if he says it's going to happen it's going to happen and i guess alongside that i also was just thinking this what's your verse for the storm what's your verse for the storm see it says in psalm 119 i've hidden my word in your heart no, <laughs> I've hidden your, not my word in your, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And sometimes I wonder if I've hidden his word on my phone, you know, and if it's there that, that I understand and remember. And I think, oh, I want to remember a word about peace. And all of a sudden I'm on my phone looking for a word about peace. When really what we're called to do is hide his word in our heart, to memorize it, to embed it deep into our spirits so that we have verses for the storm. So that when we get anxious, we remember the verses that say, do not worry. For whenever, you know, whenever we feel fearful, we remember the verses that say, be bold. You know, there's a whole lot of Bible verses out there that we need to hide in our heart so that we can trust that his word is true. If he says it, it's going to happen. So my encouragement, I guess, from the first point of view is they're out, they're called to go to another place. And the first thing they have to do is remember the word. Remember the word. Remember the words that are personal for you, but also remember the word of God. Hide it in your heart. Meditate on it day and night, like the psalmist would say. Learn it. I do think there's a place for memorizing scripture. It's really, really important. Because in that time, in that moment, we hide it in our heart. And it sustains us. Sustains us through the storm. So when we get out of this, we want to be the people who have been enriched and in delving into, you know, getting deep into the word. Allowing that to touch our spirits and change us and sustain us and help us through the storm. So the first thing he says is, you know, the first point I want us to look at is trust that his word is true. It is true. So if he said we're going to the other side, you're going to the other side. And then they said, there's this interesting thing that we see in this whole bit is like, teacher, don't you care if we drown, right? Matthew says, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Mark says, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Luke says, master, master, we're going to drown. Can we just be very clear? They all thought they were going to drown, Okay. And the other interesting thing is that Jesus was a carpenter. So he didn't really, in the natural, have a clue. Uh, they were fishermen. So they knew. When you fly, if the air stewards panic, you panic. If they don't panic, don't panic. When the fishermen are panicking, uh, I would imagine, you know, we should panic too. Yeah, and it's almost like they kind of ask this kind of passive-aggressive question. Don't you care if we're going to, you know, that we're going to drown? It's like, of course he cares. We know he cares, you know. But it's, uh, yeah. And in reality, it, it's more likely that, that it's put there to imply that the situation was incredibly serious. They were in a really, really big storm. And here's something I, I just want to ask right now is, do you ever feel like you're praying to a sleeping Jesus? Do you ever feel like you're praying to a sleeping 
Jesus. Now, of course, in Psalm 121, it says he neither slumbers nor sleeps. So I'm not actually saying he sleeps. Do you ever feel like that? That he's just not hearing you? That he's asleep and you wish he would wake up? And I really do believe that although they, they, well, what we have to remember is although he was asleep, he was in the boat. His presence is assured, blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. He was in the boat. See, there were, interestingly, it talks about uh, other boats. You know, in verse 36, it says, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats. Do you know what? None of them had Jesus in the boat. They just had, I hope this blows over or let's row for shore. You know, the, the greatest thing is with the disciples at that point is the divine option. The other options were we row for shore or we hope this blows over. With the disciples, they had the divine option. And the divine option is the presence of Jesus, that his presence is assured. So often we ask Jesus to come and lift us out of something. But I believe right now and even today for you and for me, wherever you may be, he wants to come and say, I am with you. If there's one thing that we read in the Bible that comes through time and time and time again, it is God saying, I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. Adam, I am with you. Noah, I am with you. Jonah, I am with you. David, I am with you. I am with you, Samuel. I am with you, Mary. <laughs> I, you know, and we just keep looking. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. And today, I think we need to understand that the presence of Jesus is constant and that presence of Jesus is assured. And even though it might at times feel like he is sleeping, he is always, always, always in the boat. And today, I just want us to be reassured of the divine option that his presence is real. His presence is sure, assured. And then I guess the final thing that we as the church, those with the word of God embedded in us, those who understand that his presence is with us, is this, that he gets up and he says, peace, be still. One minute he's a sleepy man. The next minute, he's the master of creation. It's like his humanity and deity revealed in a second. One minute human, one minute God. And he jumps up and he says, peace be still. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. And there's something amazing that down through the echoes of the Bible and through the psalmist, that this whole idea of stillness and be still and know that I am God, that the son of God stands up on a lake in the middle of Galilee and he becomes the fulfillment and the reality of the word that was written by the psalmist. And he speaks out and he says, be still. <laughs> you know, it's almost like he commands he rebukes and that stillness it's got this it comes from this kind of word irene which kind of like uh it's which is where we get our word serene all right and that means you know uh free of storms or disturbances isn't that beautiful that his peace leaves us free of storms or disturbances. And you know, in Isaiah 9 verse 6, it says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
Who he was was revealed. What was in him came out of him and affected those around him. If peace is not in you, how can you bring peace to those around you? There is something about us being the people of peace, having the peace of God in our hearts and in our lives and understanding that we should live marked free of storms and disturbances and that peace that dwells in us should affect those around us because the peace that Jesus proclaimed over that lake in Galilee affected the boats that didn't even have him in them and so there's something beautiful about the fact that the peace that we have should affect those around us the peace that we carry should affect our friends our neighbors our family our loved ones our workplace the peace in you should affect those around you we should be the carriers of peace so when we come out of this not only are we the people who live with this real sense of uh his word is true. It's embedded in me. I believe it and it's deep in my spirit. His presence is assured and I believe that he is with me always. But we should also be the people who bring and proclaim peace to others because we have that peace in our own lives. Imagine that message going to a church in Rome under the persecution of Nero with only one gospel trying to make it happen. That would have been so reassuring. And I guess for us at this time of global upheaval of the best of times and the worst of times, that in the midst of that, that we would be the people who understood that we have Jesus with us, that we have his word and that we have his peace. And that if only we can grasp the reality of that, we could carry it into this broken world around us. We could take it to the place where we're called to go. Interestingly, after this little moment out on the boat in Galilee, Jesus doesn't go, guys, it's just a test. Let's all go back for a barbecue on the beach. No, he says, we've got to keep going. We've got to keep going. So the disciples end up carrying Jesus in their boat into a broken part of the world. And each one of us, the call on our lives is that we would carry Jesus to broken places in this world. And that we would do so with the assurance that his word is true, with the reality that his presence is assured, and with the, the absolute truth that his peace is powerful. So let's be those people. Let's, let's, let's live like that. Let's come back stronger. That's my heart. That's my, my, my prayer for you guys at the hub. I'm going to pray in a minute if any of that has spoken to you today. I specifically felt that bit at the beginning there about that some people, God, had spoken some words to you and you thought it's never going to happen. You're on the verge of giving up on some of the promises because you thought, nah, I'm too old. Or I can't do it, I've blown it. Or this isn't the time. And I, I just want to say I feel that God wants to blow on the embers of somebody's dreams today and say that thing that you were living for, you've laid it down and you shouldn't have laid it down. Yeah, there's others of us this morning. We need to go back to the word of God and get some verses to help us because we feel incredibly unstable right now. And we need to embed and memorize some Bible verses today. There's a few of us right now who kind of were looking around and think, I can't see you anyway, Jesus. I feel like you're asleep and I just want to pray that his Holy Spirit would come and reassure you of his presence. So I'm going to just pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you here this morning. Come, work in our midst, blow on our dreams, reignite fire and passion within our hearts, make us aware of your presence, fill us with your peace. Lord, for those of us this morning that are anxious, I pray that we would be filled with your peace. 
Come, Lord Jesus. These are the best of times and the worst of times, and we do want to come back stronger and proclaim your life, your love and your hope to a broken world. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, uh, thank you so much for having me today, and uh, hopefully one day I'll come and see you, like, for reals. Anyway, uh, bless you. Take care. Have a great day.